message that is entitled, Our Response to God's Purposes. And I'm going to jump right in there looking at Ezekiel 36. This is a prophetic word about the national restoration of the nation of Israel, showing us how God intends us to respond to his revealed will. Now, I want you to notice when we look at this scripture, as we read it through, check how many times the scripture says, I will. How many times God says, I will. Okay. So it says, for I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back to your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. This is very clear that God is sharing with us his intention, what he wants to do, what his revealed will is here. Seven times, I don't know if anybody else counted seven, but seven times in this short scripture, God says, I will. So this is God's revealed purpose. This is a prophetic word, which is God's revealed purpose over the nation of Israel. And God is faithful to his word. He has been gathering the Jews who have been scattered all over the world, he's been gathering them together. He made them a nation once again, and he's still bringing them back from nations where they are. So God is still fulfilling this word today. Now, what I want you to notice is in that same chapter, chapter 36, after God has revealed what his will is, comes the last scripture in this chapter, verse 37. It says, Thus says the Lord, I will also let the house of Israel inquire of me to do this for them. So God has already declared what his will is, okay? He says, I'm going to do this. I will do this. But then he says in the end of that uh, prophetic word, he says, thus says the Lord, I will also let the house of Israel inquire of me to do this them. The Hebrew word for inquiry here is to seek God with great earnestness. So God is going to revive the Israelites to seek him with great earnestness for his will to come to, to, to happen and to, to come to pass. So even though God has stated what he's going to do, he still desires his people to seek him earnestly about it. Okay? Yeah. So it's not time for us to say, oh, well, God has said what he's going to do. I'm just going to sit back and wait. God has said in his word, he's going to heal me. I'm just going to sit here and wait for him to heal me. And then you wonder why you're not healed. I'll tell you why. When you know God's will for you, it's time for you to stand with the authority that you have and declare it over your life and believe it and speak it and pray and seek earnestly until you receive. Because the Bible says, ask and keep on asking until you receive. For to him who asks, he shall receive. So in other words, God is saying, when you see me begin to intervene on your behalf, when you see me begin to bring my promises to fulfillment, I expect the response from you. Of your own free will, I expect you to turn to me in humility and seek me earnestly in prayer for the completion of what I've promised that will take place. So this was a specific promise for the Jewish people. Now I want us to look at another promise that God has made, which is relevant for you and me today. Um, although you can also apply this scripture to your life. But in Acts chapter 2 and verse 17, Peter is quoting a scripture from Joel. It's already been mentioned today a few times, I think. It's everyone's flowing in the scripture today. In the last days, Peter um, quoted, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. 
Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Hallelujah. God is beginning to do this, you know, all over the world. We're living in the last days where God's spirit is being poured out. And we're hearing testimonies and more and more people coming to saving knowledge of Jesus than ever before. And God moving in, in, in miracles and signs and wonders and drug addicts and people down and out who are giving their lives to God like never before. God is moving around about the place. But this scripture says... In the last days, God will pour out his spirit on all people. That includes you and me, okay? So this is God's revealed will for us. There will come a tremendous supernatural visitation, even in this house of open church. So we're seeing this being fulfilled already around the world. So the next question becomes, what is our response to this great move of God? Well, in the same way as God spoke to the Israelites that he was going to stir them up to seek him earnestly. When we look in the book of Joel, where this scripture was quoted from, we find three times God is calling his people to fasting and prayer. In Joel chapter 1 verse 14, it says, declare a fast, call a sacred assembly. What's a sacred assembly? This is it. A holy priesthood. This is a sacred assembly, okay? Call them together. Summon the elders and all those who live in the land to the house of the Lord your God and cry out to God. So what is our response when we hear that God wants to pour out his spirit? It is to gather together. It is to seek God earnestly. It is to cry out to him, to gather in the house of our God. Cry out to the Lord, it indicates desperate intercessory prayer, okay? Not just shouting, desperate intercessory prayer. So we hear, God, your will is to pour your spirit on the earth. And now we intercede for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Gather the people of God into the house and cry out. So it's talking about uniting fasting with prayer. Not just private fasting, but it's also speaking here about public collective fasting where everybody fasts together. Joel chapter 2 and verse 12, again, we hear the same thing. It says, now therefore, why? Whenever you see a therefore, you ask yourself, why is it therefore? Okay, so God just said, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Now, therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. So what is God? God is saying, I'm going to do this. But the next thing he says, you respond to me now. So what is our response to God's revealed will? It is to come to him in fasting and prayer. The last scripture from Joel is later in the same chapter, verse 15 to 17, it says, blow the trumpet in Zion. Okay, that's make a proclamation, and that's what I'm doing today. Consecrate a fast, call a fast. That's what we're doing tomorrow. We're starting a fast. Call a sacred assembly. Once again, we're the holy priesthood. We've been called together here this morning. Gather the people. Sanctify the, congrega the congregation. Assemble the elders Gather the children and the nursing babies. God wants everybody, the young and the old, to receive the outpouring of his Holy Spirit. Then it says, let the priests who minister to the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. Now it's up to us to respond. It is up to us to move in and unite ourselves with what God is doing and what his purposes, that his purposes may come to complete fulfillment. It is part of our spiritual discipline, guys. Not only is fasting the revealed will of God for everybody who calls themselves a Christian, but it's particularly the will of God as we seek him in this town for the outpouring of his spirit. As you see here in Joel, it was repeated three times after this scripture that we need to seek him. 
if people need to seek him in prayer and fasting. So let's talk a little bit about fasting, because some of you here have been here for a while. You know what it is, and you know how we do it. But if you're new here and you have never fasted before, I'm going to share a few tips with you, because we want as many of you to come with you with us on this journey um, this coming week so that we can fast and pray together and really receive the visitation of God in our lives individually and corporately. So we're, enjoy- we're inviting you, as we said, to this seven-day journey starting tomorrow and we end on Sunday. Um, together, we're doing this together with Open Church in Denmark as well. The church there are also fasting from Monday up to Sunday and we'll be following the same devotions as Samson was sharing before, on your WhatsApp group. If you're not on our WhatsApp group, we encourage you, go to Information Desk afterwards, get your number onto our WhatsApp group, because we are posting daily devotions on Facebook and on WhatsApp that have been, as Sam said, created by all the different pastors in open church for this season. And then remember to join us for the corporate prayer on Friday. We live in a culture of entertainment, gratification, and pleasure. Am I right? That's just what it's like. And the idea of sacrifice is very rare. It becomes more and more rare to talk about sacrifice because it's all about pleasing ourselves and feeling good and whatever makes me feel good. That's so much this uh, culture of, of, of pleasure. And we think often that fasting is for the radical, the extremist, or the super holy. Maybe you think it's just the pastors who should be fasting. I'm not so spiritual. I don't, I don't think it's for me. I want to tell you something. Fasting is for the ordinary individual. If you realize your lack, anybody here realize their lack this morning and their desperate need for more of God, then you qualify to be a faster We all need more of God. If we have in our longing in our heart to know him more, you qualify. If you have been believing God for breakthroughs in your life that have not yet materialized, it's time to step up your game. Did you hear me, guys? It's time to step up your game. If you have not and you've been, re- you've been praying and you're not receiving those breakthroughs. I just want us to look at a scripture from Mark chapter 9 and verse 29. I think that's where it's found, yeah? 9.29. But this kind of demon does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Um, this was a situation where the disciples, Jesus had gone up on a mountain with three of his disciples, and he'd left the other disciples behind. And this man came with his son who had epilepsy, and he was having seizures and fits. And he, they, he brought his son to the disciples and said, pray for my son. So they started praying for him and commanding and doing this and doing that and shouting and whatever, everything they could think of. And after they got exhausted of all the gymnastics, nothing happened, and the boy was still possessed. He was still having fits. So when Jesus showed up finally and came down from the mountain, there was all these people around. And the father came up to to Jesus and said, your disciples have failed to help my son. So Jesus just came over, rebuked the spirit, and then healed the son. And he was completely whole. Wow. The disciples were like, what? Here we are, we've been sweating and dancing and praying and interceding and nothing happened. And now Jesus, you just walk in like that, you just speak a word, and he's set free completely. And they went to him afterwards and said to him in private, Jesus, how come, how come we couldn't drive out that demon? Why couldn't we do it? I thought you said that we had power. And Jesus answered this to them. This kind of demon doesn't go out except with prayer and fasting. So, what I want to challenge you for is that if there are things that you're believing God for in your life and you haven't seen those breakthroughs yet, it's time to join in with the corporate fasting and prayer this week. Seek God's face because as you do, you will be setting yourself, tuning yourself in for what God wants to do in your life, okay? Um, Pastor Jess, as you've heard, is coming next week. I've asked her to speak specially on erecting 
um, prayer altars in our homes. And as she will be preaching about that, in order for us to um, erect prayer altars in our homes, we need to first demolish and remove ungodly prayer altars that are in our homes. And there are altars, ungodly altars in our homes. Sometimes we're not aware of them. Maybe they were um, an altar is a place where we come into agreement with either uh, with a supernatural force, either with God or with de demonic principalities, okay? Now, if you have a forefather, a grandfather, a grandmother, or a parent, or someone who's gone into an agreement in your family about something concerning your family, and that altar is there, many times you're trying for breakthrough, you're believing God, you're seeking Him, but you're not seeing it. Next Sunday, we're going to be praying and breaking those altars in our lives. And that's why I want you to take this prayer and fasting seriously. Because if you find areas in your life where there's lack, where there's no progress, there's stagnation, things just don't work out for you, there's quite a, a serious um, chance that there's something there that needs to be broken in the spirit. And we're believing God for great breakthrough in each one of your lives. You know, in the scripture we were reading before from Joel, it was talking about the ministers, the priests, the leaders going before the people. And we as a leadership team, this last week, we've been in prayer and fasting for you, that God will pour out his spirit on you and that your lives will be transformed and changed. So we are, not only were we going into session for you this past week, but we're joining with you in this week as well and believing for awesome breakthroughs. Hallelujah. So, guys, there's no such thing as a New Testament Christian, New Testament Christianity without regular fasting. Did you know that? There's no such thing. Matthew chapter 6, verse 16, Jesus says, when you fast, not if you fast. He says, when. God expects us, Jesus expects us to fast because it's part of the Christian life. You don't find anywhere in the Bible, and you look in the Acts, book of Acts, they fasted regularly. We see that in the New Testament church. A fasted lifestyle is normal Christianity. A fasted lifestyle. So friends, if you're not living a fasted lifestyle, I'm challenging you today. Let's get involved. You can put on the next slide, Matthew. A fasted lifestyle is normal Christianity. So fasting, by definition, is abstaining from food. Okay, that's what fasting means. It's abstaining from food. However, what we are after goes way beyond denying ourselves physical nourishment. Our desire is to position our hearts to encounter Jesus. Okay? Our flesh gets in the way so often of encountering Jesus. And when we deny our flesh by abstaining from food, we allow our spirit man to rise in us. And there's just a heightened sensitivity to the spirit of God and hearing his voice in our lives. So I want to go through briefly with you different ways to fast, okay? So that those of you who don't know how to fast or are not aware of it, we're just going to mention a few um, right now. It's best to fast when you're not doing a lot of strenuous work um, because then you also have more time to pray. But if it's not possible for you, you can still combine it. But keep in mind that the more time you have to pray, the more effective your fast is going to be. If you're not used to fasting, it's good to take a few days to prepare yourself, okay? Why? Uh, and how do we prepare ourselves? Well, stop drinking coffee, stop drinking uh, Coke, and maybe just eat light food like vegetables and fruit. Why? Because with all these kind of things, Coke, and, and there's a lot of caffeine content, and there's a lot of toxins in a lot of the food you eat. And if you just eat and party on a Sunday today, and you go into the fast tomorrow, I'm telling you, you have withdrawal symptoms headaches, you feel rough, you think you got malaria, and you think fasting's not for me. But guys, it's just because <laughs> you partied last night, okay? So you need to tone down on all those caffeine drinks, those energy drinks, and all of that, okay? And go into it so that you don't get all the withdrawal. 
And as I go into sharing these different um, types of fasts, I want you to remember that the greater the sacrifice, the greater the reward. You can pick an easy type of fast, but remember, the greater the sacrifice, the greater the reward. So the first type of fasting that we're looking at is the regular fast. The regular fast is the one that's most common in the Bible, and it's only drinking uh, water or liquids that have no calories. For example, if you squeeze a bit of lemon into your water just to, to give it a bit of taste. That, there's no calories in that. That's okay. That's a regular fast. Common lengths of this kind of fast is one day or three days, one week. Occasionally, it can be longer, sometimes 21 days or 40 days. Can you imagine fasting 40 days just on water? There's a number of people who did it in the Bible, and maybe you think it's just for Old Testament kind of thing or Bible times. I know somebody personally who's done four or five 40-day fasts. Okay? They're human, just like you. You can do it too. Amen? Yeah. But don't start with a 40-day one if you've never done it before. Okay? You've got to build up to it, all right? The next one, number two, is liquid fast, okay? It's going without solid foods and drinking only light liquids, such as fruit juices. So this, this kind of fast, you're taking in a few calories that give you a bit of energy. Maybe this one's good for those of you who have a lot of work, um, a, a tight, heavy schedule, because it does give you a little bit of energy. Um, but we're not talking about milkshakes, guys. We're not talking about sodas or caffeine or energy drinks. That's not part of a liquid fast, okay? Right. Then the uh, third one is absolute fast. This one, sometimes also called an ester fast, is abstaining from all food and water. This one can last one, maximum three days. You can't survive uh, longer without water. This is a kind of fast, the absolute fast that we go into if there's an extreme emergency and we're pleading for our lives before God. And that's what Esther and her people were doing because they were about to face complete eradication as a nation. And God came through for them as a result of this fast that they went into. Number four, the partial fast. Okay. This one, which is also sometimes called the Daniel fast, we abstain from tasty foods and eat certain things like vegetables and nuts. Um, John Wesley often um, fasted in this way. He would just eat bread and water for an extended period of time. So it is really denying your body um, really tasty things because you are taking control over your body and you're allowing your spirit man to, um, to get preeminence. Then we got the one there, media fast. You know, that one's not really in the Bible. But we just bring it on board again because if you're fasting one of all these other fasts and you're addicted to social media and you spend all your time, you're fasting, but you spend all your time on social media, I don't think you're going to have much breakthrough. It's kind of like what Samson mentioned before about a radio being tuned into the right frequency. When we go into prayer and fasting, we want to tune into God. And we don't want to tune into all these other frequencies that are talking the opposite and are confusing the wavelengths of God's presence and God's voice into your life. So a media fast, and we'd encourage you to, to, to combine this one with one of the others. It means that we you decide... To spend less or no time on social media, watching films, watching TV, so that you can focus more on God. The last one, number five, Benedict Fast. This one was established by St. Benedict from Italy in 525 AD. And this one is only one light meal per day. I think this one is a favorite here in Zambia. A lot of people fast on this one. One light meal a day. Uh, many monks in the monasteries in Europe used to do this for years on end, and they had strong bodies and even stronger spirits. So you can do this, but what you need to be aware of in the Benedict fast is it's not to pig out in the evening like a lot of our Muslim friends do in the month of Ramadan. They party at night and then fast during the day. That's not a Benedict fast, okay? We're talking about very light food and just a little bit in the evening, to sustain you through the day. So, guys, fasting is an opportunity to set aside time, okay? 
to set aside time. To do what? To corporately and individually pray more. Okay? These are elements that are important in our time of fasting. We need to set aside time to pray more, to read our Bible more, and to worship more and surrender our lives to God. So make sure that these elements are part of your week. As you choose which fast you're going to do. And when we go into our ministry time now, I want each one of you to ask the Lord what he would like you to do. So you choose what type of fast you're going to go into this coming week and make a decision before the Lord what you're going to do, okay? And as you do, remember that you need to have this combination of setting aside time for more prayer, for the Bible, and for worship. Fasting is not a way to manipulate God. And to get his attention or to earn his favor. You already have his favor. He loves you. But we fast in order to strengthen us in our quest to be preoccupied with God and with his will. Amen. Whether you're fasting for the first time or you're a regular faster, we encourage you to challenge yourself to go deeper in this discipline of fasting. Have we got people here who are ready to join us on this one week of fasting coming up? I hope to see more than that hands. I hope as many as possible are going to join us this week. Hallelujah. I just want to briefly share with you four principles about fasting, things that are important to, to, to learn um, about fasting. And the first principle I want to bring is, number one, self-denial. Fasting is about self-denial. In Mark 6, Matthew 6 and verse 24, it says, If anyone, Jesus says this, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. It can't be said more clearly. <laughs> if you want to follow Jesus, he says, You need to deny yourself. You can't follow yourself and follow me. You've got to die to yourself if you're going to follow him. So fasting is about self-denial. It's denying our old rebellious ego. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9.27, I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I preach to others, I myself should become disqualified. So a professional athlete is careful about what he eats, right? About how much he sleeps how much he trains. He's even aware of his mental attitudes because that affects his performance. How much more, you and I, God's kids, how much more do we need to get our bodies under control, right? So that's the first principle of, uh, about fasting. It's about self-denial. It's not pleasant, guys. Fasting is not, doesn't feel great, but when you learn to overcome what victories you win on the other side. The rewards are so much greater than the sacrifice. Number two, second principle, it's self-humbling. Psalms 35 verse 13, uh, King David says, I humbled my soul with fasting. Fasting is self-humbling. You know, the word of God says that God resists the proud yeah, we don't want to be resisted. If God is resisting us, guys, we won't get anywhere, okay? Now, the Bible doesn't tell us that we should ask God to humble us. I'm sure he'd be willing to do it, but it's not fun to be humiliated by God, okay? The Bible doesn't do that. In fact, the word of God, God speaks to us and says, you humble yourself. It's our duty to do it. So when you choose to fast, you are choosing to humble yourself before God. And the Bible says he gives grace to the humble. So grace is made available in our lives when we humble ourselves before him. Number three, third principle, right priorities. When we fast, our priorities get into place, okay? And the scripture, Matthew 6, it says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you, the Bible says. Now, lots of people seek God's kingdom, but they seek it second or third or fourth in their life, not first. But this scripture is clear that we should seek first his kingdom. Otherwise, the promise 
that all other things will be added, we can't claim that promise because we haven't put him first. Fasting is a way of giving right priority to the spiritual in our lives. And the last principle that I want to touch is dependence on God. When you fast, your dependence on God increases. And, you know, independence is one of those greatest things that I think God hates because he so much wants you to depend and rely on him in everything. And yet we, in our human nature, we want to do everything on our own. But when you start fasting, you realize how limited your energy and your strength is, how limited you are. You begin to see the truth about who you are and how much you need God. And it just naturally, you become more dependent on him. In this scripture, he is 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 9. God was speaking to Paul and said, my grace is all you need. My grace. Hallelujah. Thank you for your grace, Jesus. My power works best in weakness. You see that? When you're feeling weak, God's power works even greater in you. Then Paul says, so now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults and hardships and persecutions and troubles that I suffer. I take pleasure in them. Why? Because when I'm weak, then I am strong. So fasting makes us dependent on God. We realize our own weakness and our shortcomings, and we become more desperate for him. So there is great power in fasting, friends, if we want to see our prayers answered, especially for the church as we pray for his outpouring in these last days. So let us come with renewed earnestness and zeal, confidence and faith to see his purposes fulfilled in our lives individually and corporately at this church, for our city, for our nation. God wants to do amazing things, and he wants you and me to partner with him in it to come to pass. Hallelujah. Now, when we're talking about um, going into this week of prayer and fasting, it is so important for us to receive an infilling of the Holy Spirit because in our own strength, we can't do it. Without him, we can do nothing. We need his infilling. We need his empowering. And you know, even the Holy Spirit, the Bible says we don't know how to pray, okay? I'm sure all of us have been that place where we go into the presence of God and we don't even know what to say. We don't know what to pray. Often we don't know, but the Holy Spirit does. And the Bible says he helps us. He helps us with our prayer, okay? So, we want the Holy Spirit in our lives to touch us afresh. We want to pray for people today for the infilling of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Because for me, I don't know how I would pray without my prayer language. So often I don't know what to pray or how to pray, and I can just slip into my spiritual language with just communicating directly with God, my spirit, with God's spirit. And the Holy Spirit is able to speak through me what I don't know or understand how to pray. Without that prayer language, I would struggle. And as we go into this week of prayer and fasting, we want to pray for God's um, outpouring on your life this week so that if you don't speak in tongues, you can receive that gift today and add it to this week of prayer and fasting to enable you. I just want to read a scripture from Acts 19, 1 to 7. Um, it says, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior, and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No, we've not even heard that there was a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, But what did baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. So Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. 
Okay, so when you become a Christian and receive Jesus as your Savior and Lord in your life, part of that package is receiving the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Just like we read in this passage, Paul realized, hey, you're Christians, but you don't have the Holy Spirit. You haven't had him poured out. That's not good enough. You need the whole package. And he prayed for them and they received it. So if you're here today and you're like, well, I've received Jesus, but I don't think I've received the infilling. Today's your day. Today's your day. The scripture says in Luke 11 verse 13, and then I'll close with that. And we're going to um, go into a time of worship together. The scripture says, so if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The Holy Spirit is a gift, and we just have to ask. He's so generous. He would love to pour out his Spirit on you today. God is so generous.
Thank you, Holy Spirit. We need you more. We desire more of you. I would like you to lift up your hands where you are. And close your eyes. And fix your desire to him who is able to fill you up. Who is looking forward to fill you and baptize you. But before we ask him, let your desire fix on him. The Holy Spirit will come to fill afresh those who have received him, who have received Jesus. But if you have not received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it means that you do not even have the Holy Spirit. But to those who believe, he gives them the Holy Spirit. If you have not received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, before we go in even to pray, to ask the Holy Spirit to come, I would like to give you an opportunity. Just speak after me and believe in your heart and receive Jesus in your heart today. Say after me, Lord Jesus, I open up my heart and receive you as my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart. Lead my life. My dependency is on you. My desire is for you. I know you died for me. Saved me. Cleanse me, Lord, from all my sins. Let your blood wash me that I may be pure just as you are. Jesus, I receive you today as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. I am a child of God. I am born again. Jesus, now, I ask that you may fill me with the Holy Spirit so I may follow you and obey your will in this life. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Now that we have received Jesus Christ, I would like us with our hands lifted up. However, you don't need to lift them up at the comfortable stage or position. I want you to focus your desire to God because we are going to pray for the filling of the Holy Spirit. Now, one thing we know about the Holy Spirit is that he is always ready to fill those who desire him. That's the only prayer that God does not even hesitate to answer is to give the Holy Spirit to those who seek, to those who want. Because with the Holy Spirit, we are able to accomplish so much. We are able to bring the kingdom of God down here on earth. With the Holy Spirit, we are tuned. Our mind is tuned to fulfill the will of God. So God is so more than able and willing to fill you with the Holy Spirit. But you've got to desire. Pastor Lina preached from Ezekiel 36. That God has promised us all these things. But we have to pray and seek for them. We have to ask God to fulfill them. Are you ready to pray for the Holy Spirit? Where you are, open up your heart. Open up your heart. Open up your heart and allow him to come and touch you. Open up your heart and say, Holy Spirit, today I desire more of you. I long for more of you. I need you more like never before. Fill my heart. Baptize me today. Anoint me today. I desire to speak in the spiritual language today. In the tongues of the Holy Spirit today. Feel me. May I speak in the tongues of God today. Open my eyes so that I may see your goodness. Open my ears so that I may hear what you are speaking to me. Touch me today. Feel me today, Holy Spirit. Oh, Masharabalaya Marayan. We invite you in the house, Holy Spirit. We invite you in the place, Holy Spirit. 
May you touch us, Lord. May you fill this atmosphere with more of you. Holy Spirit, I pray that may you touch every man in this place, every woman in this place, every young person in this place. For it is said in Joel that on the, on the last days, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh, on the young ones, on the old ones, on the male, on the female. I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Lord, we yearn, we long and desire for more of your spirit. Feel us, O oh God, for it is written in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Behold, our God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing all good things, for God was with him. It is written, Lord, in the book of Luke chapter 4, verse 18, that the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because God has anointed me to break the chains of those who are captive, to open the eyes of the blind, to set the captives free, to declare the day of the Lord. Jesus, for it is written in Acts chapter 1 verse 5 and in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 uh, that you receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be witnesses unto me. Oh Jesus, uh, you said if you are evil and know, know how to give gifts to your children about your heavenly father, shall he not give you all things uh, including the Holy Spirit? We yearn and long for more of you. Come on, where you are, open up your spirit and open up your mouth and begin to pray. If you can pray in tongues, go on. Go on and begin to pray in the tongues of the spirit. If you do not know how to pray in the tongues, ask him, ask him to feel you for the first time today. You are able to speak in the tongues of the spirit. He gives utterance to those who believe in him. Come on with your hands lifted up. Begin to speak to the Holy Spirit. Begin to say, I need you, Holy Spirit. Liba karabalayanta. Come on, press in, 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 press in. He's here today with us to touch us and feel us. Likori bashita mamaya. Rende rebelia tarabalayata. Zekete bekete meshe rebelia. Rekonde rebelia karababayata. Libashetere memere andarabalaya. Kila marabalayandala. Oh, shake a rebellia tarababalaya. Oh, mama, 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 rayanda la baraya. Miliarabasi korabalaya. Miliarabalabarakande rebelliata. Holy Spirit, we desire. Oh, welcome. You welcome in our hearts. Empower lives. Empower lives. Empower lives with your anointing. Touch our lives with more of you. With more of you. With more of you. Oh, Rabba Shaka Babaya. The Holy Spirit is in this place. Can you feel him? <laughs> Can you feel him? He's moving, touching somebody in this place. Can you feel him? Can you feel the power and the presence of God in the house? Can you have it for yourself? The experience, the anointing, because I can see God anointing hands. I can see the Holy Spirit anointing somebody in this place for exploits. Oh, Ribashida Babayanta. Receive. Receive the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Receive the touch of the Holy Spirit. Receive the feeling of the Holy Spirit. Receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. May you have an encounter with Him today. Oh, Mari Marabalaya Dabaraya. Roso Zoshirabalayata. Holy Spirit. <laughs> Holy Spirit. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit.
Now, where you are within your hands, some of you all over your body are feeling like a burning, like this sensation of burning going on. Do not be disturbed by it. It could be the touch of God. When the Holy Spirit comes, he begins to break all kinds of things in your life and begin to realign your desire for him. Some of you, you begin to open your eyes and your ears. Yes, uh, on Fridays we were praying. We were praying that Holy Spirit, may you come and birth gifts in the place, in the church, in the house. Gifts that are dormant begin to be revived. And I can see right that God reviving gifts in the lives of men and women in this place. He's opening your eyes. He's opening your ears. When the Holy Spirit comes, he takes you over to himself. He takes your desire and makes it his own. He begins to lead you and show you the will of God. You have to desire for more of him. He comes to those who desire. The Bible says that if you desire and long for righteousness, God will fill you. Desire for more of him. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. At times when the Holy Spirit comes upon a man, you fail even to stand where you are because he fills you so much with more of him such that you can't even be on your face. You begin to be shaking and jumping and laughing and smiling, filled with joy. The joy of God. <laughs> oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for your anointing. Thank you for the anointing. Thank you for your touch. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your presence. I invite you to just walk as fast as you can and just stand here in front. Just stand here as fast as you can. If you feel, don't even hesitate. Just walk. Come and stand in front here. We're going to pray. We continue to pray for you and with you for the empowerment, for the anointing, for the touch, for the power of the Holy Spirit. By now, you should have been here. <laughs> Run just as fast as you can and just stand in front because the Holy, I can see a strong touch of God. I can see a strong power of the Holy Spirit. And I can see in that sick, sickness is being healed. Sicknesses being healed. God is saying, He's taking away sicknesses out of your body this day today. God is saying that He's opening up the doors that have been closed, have been shut before you. God is saying that He's going to align up a desire and restore lives. There's been a dark cloud moving over your life. God is saying, I'm repelling, I'm removing it from you today. Oh, Maribe Sikabayata, Yendarababosha Tababayata, Likoribabayata Rabayande, Your presence, Lord. Oh, Ribe Sikorababalayata, Jesus. <laughs> I can see a strong light being poured. In this place. And God is filling you up with more of himself. And when this begins to happen, I am seeing God doing amazing things in your body. And removing all kinds of impurities and sicknesses. And God opening up doors and God opening up your eyes and God opening up your ears. As you're standing here in front and as you are there in the seats, let your desire be for him at this minute. Let your desire be for his touch. Let your desire be for the Holy Spirit and allow him to touch you and feel you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Oh, Ribasika Babaya. I ask Vinesh, Valin, Van Nicholas to just be behind them. Just be behind them and Samson and stretch your hands behind them. And my wife, you can just go down there and be with them. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
now begin to receive the touch and the feeling of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. You just open up your heart and open up your mouth and open up your ears. When you feel like he's saying some words, be quick, act in it. The act of faith. Don't, it's no time to feel embarrassed. If you feel like crying, go ahead. If you feel like shouting, if you feel like speaking, if you feel like jumping, go ahead and do that. And you will see what God will do. He's activating you. He's activating you. He's filling and pouring his power and his touch on you. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that may you touch them, Holy Spirit. Touch them, Holy Spirit. Fill them up, fill them up, fill them up, Holy Spirit. Fill them up, fill them up, fill them up. Touch them up, Holy Spirit. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. May you fill them, Lord. Fill them with more of you, Lord. Touch them in the name of Jesus. Touch them, Lord Jesus. The touch of God. The touch of the Holy Spirit. The anointing of the Holy Spirit. The feeling of the Holy Spirit. The baptism in the Holy Spirit. We pray, Heavenly Father, that may you touch your own. Sweep and breathe on them, Holy Spirit. Sweep and breathe on them, O Lord. Breathe on them. Breathe on them. Breathe on them, Holy Spirit. The breath of life. The breath of your power. The breath of your touch. Your anointing, O God. Receive the Holy Spirit. In the seats where you are, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the touch of the Holy Spirit. Receive the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Everywhere where you are, you can survive in this world. You can't be effective as a Christian without the Holy Spirit. Therefore, today, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive his touch today. Receive his anointing today. Just begin to praise him and call upon him in the name of Jesus. <laughs>